Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. breath of God. Grace has many expressions. And without a doubt, it has engaged in your life so many times, you have no idea.
Grace is a mystical substance. You find it in, in the mystery of that which is life. What makes it so awesome is that what you are doing is you're saying, Dear Lord, make me a channel for grace. No, no, God, I am a channel for grace. I was born a channel for grace. It's simply that now I am ready to live it. Because grace has always been around you. It is that you may think of it as something other than what it is. And I think that if you understood how often and how much your lives have been protected, guided, intervened, by heaven, your jaw would drop on the floor. And that is the nature of grace. And it's an itsy bitsy voice, but everybody has that. It's like a, a wave of guilt that goes through you. That says, are you really sure you want to say that or think that about that person? That's, that's grace in action. That's grace that comes in and says, take that back. That's how grace operates in your life. It saves you from doing something harsh and dark. And gives you an option to do something good and right in its place. Grace is the breath of God. Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. That was a beautiful Carolyn Mace. A nice meditation on grace. And, you know, I love the part that says um, grace is where it'll it'll have you check yourself. Do you really want to say what you're about to say? Do you really want to think what you're about to think? So I hope you've been enjoying all the shows and activities and programs. Um, I'd like you to save the date for the Visionary Summit hosted by the Shift Network, which I have the fortune of being uh, an executive producer on. It'll be in Sacramento from September 19th to the 21st. We've got a big lineup of individuals that are just coming in to do a lot. So just go and Google Visionary Summit by the Shift Network. And if you're ever in the nation's capital, stop by the Meditation Museum and get into your Zen so that you can feel that success isn't just about the monetary success of things, but it's about the way you feel about yourself. And today I'm going to be inviting a friend on who is talking about why saying yes to success is such an important process in our lives. For over 35 years, Deborah Poneman, or let me pronounce this properly, Deborah, (laughs) 
Panamin, who is a best-selling author and founder of Yes to Success Seminars, has shared her success system, now used by tens of thousands of people in every corner of the globe, to create lives of not only success and abundance, but deep and profound happiness, love, and inner fulfillment. Known as the mentor to the mentors, Deborah's students have used her teachings to become mega-successful entrepreneurs, renowned transformational leaders, and New York Times bestselling authors, and so much more. But Deborah's greatest gift is her deep belief in each person's magnificence and their innate ability to live their dreams, as we only have those dreams that are here meant to be fulfilled. I welcome you on the air, Deborah Panamin. Did I do well? You did Perfectly, and it's so wonderful <laughs> to be here. Oh, I'm so glad that you could make it on the air today. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for saying yes. I understand that your journey has been a beautiful one, and you studied with some of the greatest spiritual masters of the East from the 70s onwards, and you've even had the experience of going into deep meditation for even 10 to 12 hours a day. It's a lot. It's a lot. And you've also felt deep stillness and silence for weeks at a time before you even started to do your meditation to thousands. What was your inspiration and your interest to begin a journey of meditation, and how did it actually begin for you? Well, it's so funny that you should ask that because, you know, I always have to tell the truth. And the truth is that I was a college student in the early 70s, and I saw a poster with a picture of Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, and I thought, wow, that would be a cool thing to do, meet this guy. Of course, I went to the lecture. It wasn't him, but uh, I really started meditating because it was the thing to do in the early 70s, but uh, I just got the meditation bug. I just started meditating just 20 minutes twice a day. And it changed my life so dramatically that I thought I have to go and become a teacher. And that was when I went and I was with Maharishi for many, many months. And as you said, we meditated 10 to 12 hours a day. We were in silence for weeks at a time. And that was it. I mean, it was the early 70s and meditation was just the thing to do. But I think I kind of took it to its limits, spending the entire decade of the 70s really immersed in either being with Maharishi and meditating for long periods of time or teaching meditation. Mm -hmm. I taught several thousand people in the 70s. Thinking it would be hip to have a guru. (laughs) Well, in the 70s, it was, my dear. Ram Dass and all of everybody was like the hip thing to do in the 70s. We were at war, and we were coming out of war, rather, and... Mm -hmm. It's a funny thing because it almost feels like similar times that we're in. However, I don't know if we're owning it as much now as we did back then because of social media moving us so much further ahead or keeping us not too caught up in one thing for too long. Do you think we still have the the possibility of really experiencing like a good 10 or 12 hours of meditation and silence in these times? Well, actually, I don't think that it's needed anymore. And my mm. teacher at the time, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, used to say that. He used to say, you know, don't basically just say, don't feel all spiritually superior here because you're doing this for the world because the world needs these huge groups of people meditating for many hours a day to counteract 
the negativity in the world. So he would say, you know, don't think you're doing it for you. You're also doing it for the world. But now many of the teachers are saying that we can get to that same place of silence that it took us hours and hours and hours a day. We could do it in just 20 minutes twice a day, but we have to do it. We can't just think about, oh, yeah, I'm a meditator, but I only do it once a week. We have to have a regular meditation practice, but I don't think that it is the time now that we need to do those long periods of silence, but also we have to meditate and we have to act. I think it's like an awareness, right? Like now we're being ushered into an era that we have to be just aware of what we're thinking while in action. Because to be quite frank, if I was invited to do a meditation to sit there and think nothing, I don't think I'd stay in that room because I love my life and I love the lives of other people. I just don't like all the negative stuff that goes on ever so often. So I look at meditation, like when I practice Raj Yoga meditation, it says, okay, now discern. Is this a thought of service and a higher purpose? Or is this a thought of your human and limited conditions, which I love, which I love a lot. But it also moves me to your book, Mm -hmm. because um, for the last several decades, you've been teaching a seminar called Yes to Success. that shares deep principles for creating success in life. Everybody wants to be successful. Tell us what actually inspired you to move into a seminar of Yes to Success. And that's one question. And secondly, is success really all about material abundance, or is it much more than that? Well, I'll answer the first question first and the second question second. And when uh, my teacher, again, at the time, Maharishi Mahashogi, who was, of course, you know, the guru to the Beatles and the Beach Boys, and he always said that meditation or the meditation that he taught was not to inspire us to withdraw from the world, but was a basis for a successful outer life. He would point out that the deeper the rest, the more dynamic the activity, the stronger the foundation, the higher the building, the greater the structure that we can build. And he would always say that life is here to enjoy, and we should enjoy 100% outer dynamic activity and happiness and 100% inner silence. So one of the reasons why I went out and started teaching staff was that I saw the people in my community establishing that silence, but then when we went out to create the outer success, we didn't have the tools. And it's funny that you mention um, Rondoff because Rondoff, I actually read his book, Be Here Now, and that was my inspiration to go to, I, I actually um, moved to Boston looking for him, and that was where I found Maurice live. He was doing it first at Amherst, and I was actually amazed that he didn't tell us to just devote our lives to meditation, but he would say, no, go out and act, go out and create successful lives. And um, one day, quite by accident, I learned that the way to create success is not just to build a big company, it's not just to invest wisely, but it's to do these energetic principles of creating success like wishing success and prosperity to others. They seem so simple, but they also work. It's by changing your mindset and not always talking about how poor you are and because what we put our attention on will grow in our lives. But even if your financial situation isn't great, to talk about and to visualize and to 
talk with your friends about the great times that are to come and the and financial abundance that's to come and that we become like tuning forks and that we attract our dominant thoughts to us. So mm. when I began teaching success, Sister Jenna, it was not about going out and getting a Mercedes and having a mm-hmm. big house. It was creating the kind of success that lasts, which is a pr- kind of success that comes from other people become successful by doing random acts of kindness, by energetically creating that kind of success. And then the miracle is that the cars and the houses and the great portfolio they come later spontaneously. Absolutely. Yeah. They spontaneously yeah. follow yeah. from changing your energetic mindset. Yeah. We know, Deborah, that sometimes on the journey of our own illumination or enlightenment, um, many of us get called to be in service as well to others. And even while in service, we can sometimes find ourselves letting go of the care or even the message that we're being called to offer humanity. And we feel like sometimes a need to just take a back seat. You know, at one point in your life with your Yes to Success book in the hands of a top agent in the midst of negotiations for your own national TV talk show, you walked away from all of that. You disappeared from the public eye for over 20 years. Do you mind sharing what you were going through at that time and actually what led you to return back to your career? Or was that 20-year also yes. part of your career? Well, in an interesting, in a roundabout way it was. What happened was, as you said, my seminar from a seed idea to putting up a poster for a lecture I was doing at the Santa Monica Public Library called Yes to Success in 1981. My seminar just exploded, and, and within a few short years, I had been teaching my seminar in um, seven countries on four continents. That was decades before the Internet made international communication almost instantaneous. And as you said, I was about to, I was in negotiations for my own daytime TV talk show, but one of the things that I taught was that if you follow your heart, even if it seems like it's leading you in the opposite direction of your goals, if you follow your heart, it will never lead you astray. And what happened to me in 1988 at the height of my career is my daughter was born, and I took one look at her, and I thought, if I continue teaching and traveling around the world teaching success, I will be an imposter because my heart was home with my baby. I didn't want to leave her to go to the bathroom, let alone to go get some seminar in Singapore, which is the next place I was supposed to go. And I'll tell you, as you know, people have authenticity meters. We see somebody espousing some kind of principles of success or prosperity or love or and. If you're not living it in your life, people can smell that inauthenticity a mile away, and I did not want to be one of those people. So I followed my heart, and I became a full-time mom at home, and there I stayed for 21 years. And um, why I say it was a roundabout way to creating even more success, I had a lot of gurus in my life, but I really have to say my two greatest gurus were the gurus who called called me mom and still call me mom because I learned more from them than I learned from any of the great gurus. I love that. You know why I I love it? I did. Because it's real. You know, it's, it's those that you're living with, that you're breathing with, that 
you know, you've got an exchange with on a day-to-day basis or a week-to-week basis that really is your guru, is your guide, is your real teacher. And I don't think there was a better investment of 20 years with those kids. Yeah, well, I'll tell you a couple stories about my kids, but I want to tell you one story that just popped into my mind that a lot of people say, well, as I saw my friends, my students becoming New York Times bestselling authors, um, people always say, did you ever doubt your decision? And I say, yes, of course I did, because we're human. And if we don't doubt our decisions, then we're not human. And we are. And um, But I remember this one time, you're going to love the story, one time, uh, my kids are about maybe two and, yeah, because Daniel was still in diapers, so maybe two and four years old. I did not tend to put them in front of the TV, but this day they were so whiny. I thought, okay, I'm putting them in front of the TV. It's a TV day. And they wanted to watch Barney. And my little daughter, she had a speech impediment. She couldn't say her R. She, and I'm trying to find Barney. I didn't even know what channel it was on. And she's like, Will's Barney, Will's Barney. I go, I'm finding you, Barney. Just hold on. And as I'm doing this channel check, I just for a split second, I see Oprah, and I see one of my students on Oprah with a best-selling book. <laughs> and doing, this is true. I'm telling you, and he's doing this demonstration for Oprah of a way to show the power of your mind that I had actually cognized in meditation and I taught in my seminars. And I absolutely do not blame him. I, I'm not saying and he took my demonstration. When I laugh to raise my kids, I said to my students, take all my stuff because the world needs it and teach it and you don't have to give me credit, just go for it. So there is nothing <laughs> wrong. But I, in the meantime, he has Oprah and I have these two whiny kids on the couch. <laughs> oh, my and goodness. So oh, that could be a big turnaround. Right. right. And I'm thinking, what did I do with my life? So here's what happened. I burst into tears, and all the, it didn't get my kids to be quiet because they're like, one minute I'm looking for Barney, the next minute I'm standing in front of the TV sobbing, and the only thing that got me out of my stupor was my little daughter says to me, Mommy, and I said, what, sweetheart? And she goes, I think you forgot I'll pop, I think you forgot I'll popsicles. <laughs> and I said, yes, I did forget your popsicles. And I went in the kitchen, and I'm pouring the orange juice into, you know, those plastic molds. And I'm mad at God. I'm like, God, come on, man. I'm supposed to be on Oprah. He gets Oprah. I get this kid. I'm pouring <laughs> orange juice into the mold. And I had one of those, I had one of those moments. And I did not claim to be any kind of, like, you know, and then I heard the voice of God. Now, it wasn't like Charlton Heston in the, in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> I heard God say, you know, remember the book. And I'm like, yes, that was supposed to be my book. And God says to me, no, not that book. And I remember this book I read. And it was about a man who actually died and went to the other side. And, you know, he went through the tunnel, the dark tunnel, and then this beam of light was waiting for him on the other side. And, and the being of light said to him, do you want to see the high points of your life? And she said, yes. Mm-hmm. And she showed this man a very short, short, short reel of the highlights of his life. And it just showed him dancing with his daughter at her wedding and showing his son how to swing a baseball bat. And the man says, and this goes back to one of your other questions, what is really success? The man says, 
What about when I brought my company public? What about when I made my first million? Ah, yes. Built the factories and and the being of life said, all of those moments glorified you, and that's why you were so unhappy. And then the being of light said, I want to show you the life of somebody else who just passed on. And the man was kind of indignant. All right. And this being of light showed the, a movie reel of the woman who used to clean this man's house, who used to take mm-hmm. two or three buses just to make a few dollars. And he said, you know, you thought she was such a pathetic creature, but she had a glorious life. And he showed her carrying a pot of soup to a sick friend. It showed her, you know, smoothing her mother's hair as her mother was lying in bed and making her transition. It showed her comforting a grieving child or just going to church and saying to everyone, how are you doing today? And then mm. the like said, when you, get, when you get here, you find out that the only thing that matters while you're on earth is how much love mm. you give. Mm. I love that. I went back in the living room and loved up my kids and knew that I was doing the most important thing. Just the incredible, you know, duress that our souls might be going through right now. And from maybe, you know, dreaming about number 45 and being able to look into his eyes with love and just say that God loves you to the beautiful reading of your son's letter. There is just, again, this consistent corruption, this consistent deception that's going on, and the hurt that we're going through. Deborah, do you have any thoughts about how we can really, you know, get over the hurt and the the fear that we are enduring right now at this time? Well, sometimes when I feel helpless, um, when I look at what's going on in the world, I turn to Kabbalah, which of course is a Jewish mystical text, and Kabbalah says this. Kabbalah says that there's this light of grace. I might have mentioned it earlier, but it's a light of grace, brighter than a thousand suns, and just like the physical sun, it shines on all of us the same: rich, poor, black, white, old, young. It doesn't discriminate. And this light of grace illuminates our lives and dispels the darkness, so that we readily see the blessing in our lives and we see that everything we desire is right there for the taking but the reason we don't experience that is that the light is blocked by what the Kabbalists call tikkuns and the literal translation of the word tikkun in Hebrew is correction or repair that we all come into this lifetime with something we need to correct or repair um, and mm-hmm. some of us have lessons in their relationships, finances, you know, challenges with procrastination or not speaking our truth. So we all have different um, cocoons. But Kabbalah says going through life being a good person, although important, isn't enough. The secret to our life is changing our own personal patterns by facing our cocoons. And when we do, and here's a point, we come out on the other side we remove these veils that are blocking us from experience the light of grace. And every time we face a cocoon, we remove a veil between us and the light of grace. But here's the bonus. The bonus is that when we allow that grace to shine in our lives, we're letting that light on to the entire creation. And the more light we allow in, 
the greater the illumination of light will be on the planet. So what I always do is just turn to facing the hard stuff in my own life. And right now, I have to tell you, Sister Gemma, my biggest cocoon is my addiction to complaining about all of the not good stuff that's going on in the world. I know I'm blind. Yes. I know it makes yes. my own light dim, but it's an addiction. And I know, like my son says, there is a silver lining, and that's where we have to put our attention. So that's what I do. I try to switch my speaking. And um, and also, one other thing I just want to add is I also, that does not mean that we don't take action, but I love the idea that was made popular by Andrew Harvey, which, of course, I think we've talked about before, which is sacred or spiritual activism, activism that comes from the heart, activism that's compassionate and kind and positive. It's not about being against something. It's being for something. For and for, it's right, right. Right. It's the way to channel your desire to make a difference and in a way that creates solutions and doesn't add to the problem. So that's what I'm trying to do myself. Well, I think we're all in the same boat, Deborah, because I think many of us are feeling the same nudge. You know, and we've got so much information to cure our inner ailments, our outer ailments, but still the power to implement it still needs a little bit more recharging and a more empowerment. So as we move through this conversation, and we've covered so much richness, you know, your life of yes. Are you saying yes to silence of late? Because for me, what I'm taking away for this year is not too much speaking as much, even though I, that's just my life or my career, but to be able to have the energy of silence push my thoughts and my words. So that's what I've been working on this year. Anything in particular that you've been working on this year that you really feel like this is it, this is, my, this is really my call for this year, this is my yes? It's so interesting that you're saying that because I have come to the exact same conclusion. I mean, I still do a lot of speaking around the country, actually around the world, and I still feel that I need to take my message to many people. But I am so much more committed to my spiritual practices, to my meditation, to my breath work, to all of the things that I do not compromise. You know, sometimes I think, well... You know, so I'll skip a meditation today, whatever. But no, that's how we contact source. That's how we contact silence. And that's the main thing that we could do to counteract all of this noise in the world. So I'm with you, commitment to the silence, commitment to my spiritual practice is definitely the name of the game at this time in creation. Mm, beautiful. I'm so glad that I have my little sister to travel with on the journey. Um, Deborah, I've loved our conversation, yeah. and I'm so glad that we could say yes to this dialogue. Could you leave us with a website where we can find more information about you and your work? Yes, it is. Yes, it is Yes to Success. <laughs> it's Y-E-S-T-O, Yes to Success. And um, that is where it all is, right there. And I would love to uh, have people visit me at my website. So thank you for Beautiful. asking. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Deborah Pondeman, and all the very best for everything that you do, Debs, everything that you do. And thank you and bless you, and thank you for all of the work you do. 
uh, to make this All world right. a better place. Take good care. Bye-bye. So we all have to begin to illuminate our light more and more. And as Deborah was sharing that, you know, it's good to say yes to success. There's the external success, but also the inner success. And with all that's going on, you might need to step away for a little bit and pause just to get yourself in gear. There might be something else that's of a higher purpose that you might not even be able to identify with, but it will reveal itself. I think Deb's son's poem or letter or note to her after the 2016 election spoke volumes, and I know it did for me. So if you'd like some more information on Deborah Poneman's book and work, please go to yes2success.com for more information and do let her know that you heard about her from our radio show. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission and really are here to love each other the same. So let's do that a little bit more. And um, be well and be kind to one another. And I'm going to end the show with Sister Elizabeth from Anabuti. There is only love. Take care, everyone.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.